I'm about to become a dad. What do I do? My kids are in high school and I feel so disconnected. Does anyone else feel depressed in their first year of fatherhood? How can I manage my time better so I spend more time with my kids? My wife and I don't see eye to eye on parenting. How do we find the time to reconnect? How do I step up as a dad? Where can I find answers to the questions I have? Welcome to the arena. So welcome to the Dad Syndicate podcast, the Q&A session with my, my awesome friends, Alan and Anthony. Sorry, guys, just got back from work, just got out of the car, literally ran upstairs and got a glass of water. We had to reschedule this one because of our time change from yesterday. That I, had no, I had no idea that we actually ever were only five hours behind you, or no, ahead of you. I always thought it was six or, or seven. Yeah, no, it's not that bad. Mm, yeah. So anyways, how are you guys doing? Doing great, you know, we're not zombies, uh, you know, we have toilet paper, we're good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anthony? It's a little bit, it's a little bit chaotic, uh, I would say, I'm, you know, I've never seen so, uh, you know, you know, the streets are a little quieter, people are definitely nervous, and um, we need uh, <clears throat> cooler heads to prevail at this point, you know. Um, I just saw your... Uh, Angela Merkel, yeah. right? She just came out and said, uh, basically, sixty to seventy percent of Germany is going to get the coronavirus. It's like, what more can she, you know, what more can the world do to to to, to freak people out, you know? So, um, it's been a tough go, man. It's been a tough go, you know, trying to keep everybody calm. Mm. That's pretty funny that you should say that because here in Germany, people are. I mean, you got your freaks, obviously, that are going on and going crazy. But it's everybody's pretty chilled here, actually, and kind of people are, and kind of because of that seventy percent, it's kind of like that resignation to like, oh, seventy percent of people are going to get it, so you know that's how it is. In my area now, there's like five people that have it officially, but there's all these like shadow, all these like silent numbers that no one knows because like I've been sick, I haven't gone and get tested, and it's hard to get tested, man. You have to have had direct contact with someone who's had it and have symptoms. And if you don't, then they don't want to test you. So it's, it's kind of lax. For me, it's amazing. It's pretty lax here. I think it's quite like, it's no surprise that this thing's spreading across Europe because no one's taking it as seriously as they should. Or I don't know, man. I don't know how to approach it. I'm just remaining kind of calm. But, you know, my school goes ahead like it is. Germany, Germany's not going to close schools because of the whole effect on the financial sector that it will have on people not being able to go to work and, and so forth. <clears throat> I, I I am a little concerned about the disruption of uh, the economy. It does worry me. You know, I do see um, businesses slowing down. I do see, um, you know, disruption. And, you know, you're hearing multiple accounts of, you know, they're even saying in, in China, you know, we're getting lied to uh, uh, on that front. They're saying that they're running their electricity and their plants and, and whatnot, but there's still nobody back to those plants. Um, so everything's still being hidden. And uh, I just say, you know, I think the media needs to chill out. People need, need to turn off their the news, uh, but don't be ignorant, right? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, be prepared. I'm not saying I'm not telling people to, to to be ignorant. I'm just saying, you know, we just can't be living in fear. No, but that's how I think that Germany's kind of got a little bit right, and that they kind of are just relaxed about it. You know, most people and are going about their business. You know, I've not heard of many. I mean, obviously, where there is like acute, like 
coronavirus cases where it's really a lot in one area, then they have closed schools or something. But generally, you know, like Greece closed schools and Czech Republic closed schools after 40 cases. All schools. Done. Yeah. So some countries are just going, are approaching it quite differently. Yeah, I think one of the big problems we're seeing is they're about to shut down the right to gather. Uh, I think more than like 250 people in a place. And when you shut down venues like concerts and, you know, large business meetings, uh, it's definitely going to affect the economy. And, you know, that, that's not good either. It's not doing anything. And look, if people don't all gather in one place, they're still going out. The only way to stop people from gathering, you got to lock them in their homes. And that isn't going to happen. Well, in Germany, it's a thousand. Thousand. Yeah. That's the, the height. In Italy, they've blocked down completely nearly, I think, most of the country. Yeah. Northern, northern Italy. Yeah. They the whole country is starting to... <clears throat> Anyways. One of the plus sides with this uh, that I've seen, looked at is a lot more telecommuting going on, and that's giving a lot more dads the opportunity to stay home and be dads. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, I think there, 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 there are a lot of plus sides you can look at for this. It's going to change the way we work. Yeah, there's a lot of companies that may go to, towards more of a work-from-home atmosphere after this, uh, and that can yeah. create more productivity, less traffic on the road, yeah. uh, and better families. Yeah. I tell you what, the one thing that it's kind of really just kind of sounded the, the alarm for me was to learn how much of our um, – uh, our medical supplies do come from like China and India. And, you know, if, I mean, if you saw the other day, China basically threatened us saying that um, if we have any retaliation against them in any way for this Corona or whatnot, um, they'll just withhold whatever the ingredients we need for our, our medical, you know, our antibiotics and whatnot. So hopefully there's going to be a lot of change after something like this. Mm. That's been yeah. Trump's big push is get us manufacturing at home again. Yeah. Yep. So anyway, all right, let's hit this, man. I'm ready. Yeah. I'm ready to go. There's I was a lot of to listen. Because yeah. we still have kids, right? We're still dads. Yeah. We're still, yeah. We're still alive. Yeah. Now, anyways, before we get going, man, I'm stoked at how the podcast is doing. Just want to ask guys to go and listen to the other episodes, especially the one that I did with Traver that came out yesterday. A really awesome conversation. I listened to it myself again, actually, in the car. And um, just goes really deep. And I think I just want to tell guys that if there's one podcast out there where you're going to get the real deal and you're going to get it as it is. And this show with Anthony and Alan, you know, if you listen to podcasts with me and Trevor, it's just real. It's raw. It shows you where other guys are at. There's no posturing or trying to be the, the know-it-all. So go and check out that podcast. Really stoked about that and really stoked about how the show is doing. So thanks to all of those guys are listening. But yeah, let's chuck into some questions. Let's hit them here. So number one. What do we do to build grit in kids in an everyone gets a trophy world? So what do we do to build grit in kids in an everybody gets a trophy world? Well, don't give them trophies. Make them earn them. Just because the rest of the kids get it doesn't mean you have to do the same thing. Now, they're going to get handed trophies in other places where you don't have control over it. But, uh, you know, I think you got to you know, take control over what you reward. They want reward from you more than anyone. Uh, so I, I, you definitely, like I said, just take control over what your kid is exposed to. Anthony's got yeah. more on that though. I'm sure. <laughs> no, I, you know what, man, for me, like, you know, here at, at the, at the, you know, at, at the school, we're having a contest right now. So the kids are all doing a, a coloring contest for, uh, for Phoenix birds. Right. 
<clears throat> and um, and I said, okay, there's going to be one prize. And everybody, the kids were all looking at each other. What do you mean one prize? That's it. There's one winner. One winner takes all. And, you know, so I don't have a problem with building a culture that, hey, you all put in a fantastic effort. And yes, these are all wonderful in their own way. But there's only one winner. And, you know, even with my kids, you know, growing up in, in that trophy, you know, every kid gets a trophy world, you know, I put realistic expectations on them. Like if I said, okay, um, Jordan, you ran the, the, the 200 last weekend, what was your time? Um, uh, because don't forget, they all come home with, with medals, right? They all come home with medals. I'm like, this is crazy. But I, I said, you know, what was the uh, top three girls times? She gives me the times. Okay, Jordan, what, what's your time? And I try to put things in perspective for her, right? And, and, you know, it's, yes, do I want her to feel good about herself? Yes, but, it, but I want her to have realistic expectations of what she's doing. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that does. I think my kid earned two trophies through his, all his schooling years, besides all the karate stripes that he got. Um, and he was extremely proud of them, and I think he strives harder to win now because he recognizes the value of winning more. Yeah. Hey, look, look at he, this is a great example. You bring up your, your son. Think about how hard it was. Like, I gave him nothing. I told him, You want this, you need to take it. Like, uh, it's, 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 it's not really mine to give, it's yours to take. So you're either going to earn it. Or you ain't getting it. And so that's why when kids get a stripe here or a belt or, you know, even if it's things in my own home where I'm going to, you know, um, edify good, you know, something good, it's really praise like, wow, this is a good thing. You know, I mean, even in here when kids get, get a stripe or a belt, I mean, our kids are clapping for each other because they know how hard it is. So I, I just don't want kids to be, you know, being raised to be delusional. Mm-hmm. Right. Like every kid thinks he's going to be an NFL pro football player. It's like, dude, you're not, you're just playing flight football today. You're six. Yep, yep. You know what I mean? Like parents chill out. Mm. What about you, Tom? Do you put a gold sticker on all your uh, kids uh, work at school? No, I don't put a gold sticker on anyone. And, and I just basically, if my kids come in with these trophies for participation, I'm going to take them outside and I'm going to put them on a block of wood. I'm going to smash them with an ax. <laughs> that'll teach you some grit that'll teach you some resilience get over it man who cares about this shit no i'm just kidding but the thing is when you look at the word grit and you look at the word resilience and you think about what is that that is the ability to bounce back it's the ability to get up again ability to try hard and i think at home no matter what the school does we have to teach our kids that you're gonna fail you're gonna make mistakes and i think to as we always say model it yourself to show them hey you know like this isn't so easy for dad but you have to carry on doing it you know and i Try to tell my kids that as well. You know, life isn't easy. Look at this. Look at the things we've been through. You can't avoid these, these struggles that we have. And I think with at home is to make them realize, like Anthony was, was alluding to at home, you know, the rewards for really doing something great or the rewards for, for trying hard and, and working hard are, are important to show kids that that gets rewarded. And I think it's also important them to show them that there's consequences for behavior that is not in line with it. I think that's the other problem that these kids kind of understand. They kind of get awards for being for being second rate, for having behavior that is not uh, conducive to success. And then we give them a reward for that. And it teaches them that basically, even when you're doing things that aren't like good for yourself or for the community, 
you get a reward for that. So then they grow up to be adults that are entitled and think that when they don't get rewarded for, for you know, the job that they do badly or later on in life and they get fired from the job, then they're wondering what it is. And I think that that ability for them to learn that that's not the real world. And that's what I do with my kids. I try to, and at school as well. I try to explain to them the real world. I try to explain them, listen, I'm your teacher. I love you. I care for you. But at the same time, I want you to understand that I'm training you for the real world. If I'm going to give you rewards and tell you everything is great. I mean, I said it to my one student. I scrumpled up his work and I chucked it in the bin. And he was like, and he was a bit upset. And I said to him, dude, is this going to hurt you more now what I do to you by scrambling up your paper? Because I told you, I told you what the requirements were. You understood that, right? Yes. I said, you knew what you had to do. Yes. So is it going to hurt now that I scrambled up paper is going to hurt you later when you can't get a job, when you can't pass the grade? And then he said, well, it's obviously going to hurt more then. And I said, exactly. So if you learn this little, little, like, little challenge from me now where you didn't do well and you had to have a bit of pain, it teaches you, okay, well, this is what it feels like a little bit when I don't do things. What happens when I really don't step it up, when I don't step it up as a dad, when I'm, when I'm like not a good husband or when I'm not stepping up at work? And I think that us as parents have a major role to play in that. And I think relying on the school to teach us is that is ridiculous because schools these days are expected to treat every little Johnny the same. Yeah. You know? Well, you know, it's funny when, it, you know, something as little as this coloring contest that we're doing, um, because the kids know that, that there's only one prize, these kids are all in. Like they, they are, they are get, they are drawing their hearts out because there's only one winner here, kiddies. Right. And it's like, and, and guess what? I'm going to make them vote. I'm going to make them vote. And we've done this every year here. So it's pretty cool. And guess what? We, we have, a, we talk about that or, you know, because that, that's the, that's the one big question. Can we vote for ourselves? I says, listen, you can vote for yourself. If you truly believe that your picture is that good, if you can honestly look me in the eye and tell me yours is the best, then yeah, vote for yourself. Mm-hmm. I said, but I want you to be honest. And hey, listen, I had one kid last year lost by one vote and because she, she voted for somebody else and it still stings her today, you know? <laughs> and, um, but, uh, but how do you develop grit if everybody wins? Right. Where's the grit? I mean, because grit comes like, you know, competition is what creates that, right, that grind, right? Yeah. So, um, I don't know, as, as fathers, I think we just have to put, you know, we need to put realistic expectations to, into our kids' heads um, mm. because they're not all going to be Babe Ruth's, right? They're not all going to be Muhammad Ali's. They're not all going to be Bill Gates mm. and, and so on. So, um, not, hey, and I'm not saying don't strive to be. I'm just saying, we, you know, let's put things in perspective. Yeah, but I mean, you don't have to. I mean, there's the other side of things here, guys. It's this weird thing that we feel, because I was reading it lately in my Stoicism book. Every, it's like weird. Every episode, I have to take a dig it out. Or oh, it's because I'm mentioning Stoicism. I don't know which, which one it is. But it's kind of like this thing that we have to achieve these things as well. And this is also an, an, an ill of society that everyone thinks that they have to be the best at something. You know, you've got to be the, I saw a post by another guy. I want to be the best that there ever was at something. And I think it's fine if it's really in you. But not everybody has to be the best at something. And not everybody has to be the fastest or the strongest or the, or, the, or the most intelligent or the greatest mathematician. And this is the problem we have as society as well is that we, we also, in one hand, we're teaching them that you have to reach your dreams and you have to be like amazing. And then on the other hand, we're going, oh, but if you're not, I'm just going to give her a reward for it. It's like, well, what do you, make up your mind. Do you want people to really strive to be the best or do you kind of want everyone to be average because you're training them to be average like that? So I think there's, 
there's a double thing. And I think grit also comes from that thing of going, hey, I don't have to be the best of this. I'll try my best and I'll enjoy the process. Isn't it like this, what we're doing now? Enjoy the process. Enjoy talking to each other. I don't have to be the best podcast in the world for this to be enjoyable, right? But listen, I am going to, I'm going to, I'm going to jump on that for a sec. Jump I agree with you a hundred percent because we are not going to, listen, I am not going to be Tiger Woods. Okay. And I'm not going to be on the PGA tour. Would I like to be good enough? Yes. Yeah. I, I'm just, I don't have that skill set. I've practiced. I've got, I've got coaches. I've done all these things, but now I have to be realistic and say, am I now going to make a sport that I love <clears throat> something that I'm yeah. just not going to do because I, because I'm never going to be the best at it. Or can I just go and enjoy myself? And the answer is, yeah, I want you to go to enjoy yourself because you don't have to be the best at everything. And I'm not looking for that trophy. I think the things that you're passionate about, you owe to yourself to be the best that you can be. Yeah, it doesn't mean you have to be the best, but if you're going to have integrity and be honest yeah. with yourself, then you have to be the best at the things that you want to be good at, the best you can be. Hmm. Right, hundred percent. I think I think it's all it's all it all comes together in that that you know understanding that if you really want to be good at something, then do it. But you lose it. I think I think a lot of people. If there's only going to be one Anthony in the coloring competition, you know, then there has yeah. to be that side thing of kids just enjoying coloring and making a picture that is as beautiful as they've ever done. I mean, I just had an art gallery today with my students. We just we just they all painted paintings and. It wasn't a competition, but obviously there's kids that are just natural artists and others. But the others that weren't the best still enjoyed it. They still got their art, you know, presented. They wrote an essay about it. They 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 did it like a designed a gallery, and they enjoyed it. And I think that's the thing is to just do your best at what you're at. Understand I someone's like going to win. what you just said. Yeah, I, I think I think you just gave me an idea. I think that you just gave me the my segue with the kids. <laughs> how many of you enjoyed the process? How many of you enjoyed coloring today? You know, well, how many of you enjoyed doing this? Don't you and, like to compete even if you don't win? You know, sometimes it's cool just to compete because it raises your that's level. That's good too. To the best. Well, and like if even if I don't win, I might have colored in like outside the lines, but today because I wanted to win, I did it better and I produced something that I've never done before. So that's the whole thing about competition as well. Guess what? Guess what I'm doing? I'm writing. I'm writing this down for tonight. <laughs> this is my. This is my opening. Uh, I was telling a dad to enjoy the game, not the score. Yeah. You you still try your best, but you enjoy the game and not the score. Doesn't matter where you finish. It's that you put your all into it. Yeah, and no, even I like. Step, I, yeah. I like how I like the, I like the line. Yeah. No, Tom. Who enjoyed the who, who enjoyed the competition, and. You know, and then really to ask, you know, did did they put in more effort because it was a you know a competition or a prize? That's really interesting. And how many people enjoyed doing it? Yeah. Right. I like that. Well, I mean, Asking if you actually before you give out the it, prize, yeah. Yeah. if you think about every race, there's only one winner really. You know, when it comes down to marathons, there's ten thousand people that run a marathon sometimes, and some people are just doing it to get their personal best. I mean, most of it becomes getting your personal best as an adult, and I think we don't do that with kids. I think this will be the last thing I say on it is basically that it, that we need to look at how we approach competition and in your business. I mean, Alan, you're happy to make money and to, and to make millions, but you don't have to make as much as the next guy. And that's still an achievement. And you still are satisfied with that, right? Yeah. I don't actually have a financial goal for my business each year. I just have a goal to make, do the process and win at the process. And I think teaching the kids the same thing and teaching that that's life, which is called cool. talking about achievements. 
You, you want a hat? Look. The Dad Syndicate hat. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I got the and they'll be available to purchase where? Well, not yet. I just did a whole bunch of um, prototypes and gave them to my kids and they kind of dig them. So at least the first test is over. My kids dig it. So anyway, let's get on to the next one as we usually delve so deep into these questions. As an educator, I can say that parents immediately get on the defense of their child and take the kid's word over the teacher. What does this teach the kids? Anthony? Well, oh, I got to tell you, that, that topic has always kind of, kind of stuck in my craw because, <clears throat> you know, even when my kid would come home and whatever, let's just, whatever the case may be, and maybe my son did something and he's giving me his side of the story. Well, as a teacher myself, I mean, there's always, there's always, you know, their, their story, his story, and something in the middle. And we're never going to get that real story. And um, I think that when the parents immediately take the side of a child and isn't objective, I think it's awful. I think it's awful. You know, I mean, I, I, I don't think we're, I mean, and we're also teaching our kid that, hey, it's okay to kind of get away with what you're getting because mom or dad's gonna they're gonna stick up for me which is fine but i i think that that that's a real problem mm. i went through i think most parents the first couple of years their kids are in school they tend to always believe the kid and then the the realism sets in after a while that you know hey the teachers are doing what uh you know what they're trained to do and that the kid may not see things from the same perspective uh, and that would became my strategy was not uh, which one to believe. It was more of, all right, Connor, this is what the teacher said and felt. This is what you have to work with. And that really helped him in the real world to learn to work with bosses and things that you don't always see eye to eye with. Is it, you know, okay. hey, Connor, it doesn't matter if you think the teacher is wrong. Teacher is the boss. This is how you have to deal with it. But, but you know how often I hear parents complain about a teacher and I keep saying to myself, like, you know, the teachers are there to educate, you know, just like me and just like Tom. I mean, we work hard to give our all to these kids to do the best we can for them. And if we have criticism or they're doing something, I mean, Jesus, you think I really want to be wasting my time arguing with a parent about something that I know happened? I'm there. So now you're going to take the word of a eight-year-old over mine. I'm the adult here. Like I'm trying to, I'm the, I want resolution here and you're defending your child's poor behavior. So yeah. it's a tough thing, Tom. I mean, what do you, what do you think? Well, I got quite a lot of perspective on this because I've got kids in my school and I teach with their teachers. And then I've got colleagues that have kids that are in my, have been in my class. And then obviously I'm a teacher myself. So I see the whole broad spectrum of it. So I think there's a lot of moving parts here and a lot of aspects to this. Um, I think parents doing that, I think it's ridiculous. Um, yeah. Especially if it's done in front of a child and the child knows about it. So I, I don't have a problem if a parent has a problem with something and comes and talks to a teacher and asks them what's going on here and wants to find out and does, and, and maybe is a bit emotional because, hey, it's our kids. That's but, when the child, but when the child is aware of that and they've made the child aware that they're going to go in and they're going to tell the teacher this, then I think that's the problem because then it basically, I'll tell you what it does and what I do as a parent. So I can only talk from my own perspective as a dad. Number one, my children never come home complaining about their teachers. So I don't have a problem. And I wonder why that is. 
Now, my children do speak to me and I do, they're very open with me and they would tell me. But my children understand that these are teachers. They're not their friends. They're not on the same level as them. So they can't get offended at their teachers not being kind and friendly to them all the time. And they need to deal with their teachers reprimanding them sometimes. Now, my kids' teachers are wonderful people, very friendly guys that I'm actually friends with. And the reasons I can be friends with them is because there's a line between me as a dad and a teacher and their colleague. And there's a line between my kids and them. And I think what's happening is they're blurring the lines because what happens with children is that when they understand that the teacher is the teacher and that they are going to need to reprimand them sometimes and sometimes they're not going to get the grade that they want, then they don't get offended. I hope you can follow me here, or dads. They won't get offended because they understand it's a teacher and it's me. And this was what happens in an adult dad son relationship. My dad's going to, my dad's in charge. Like you said, Alan, it's the boss. When they understand that they don't get offended. The moment you start making the child on the level of the adult, they start taking it as like someone who's offending them and is rude to them and is mean to them because no longer it is an adult. It's suddenly this person that should be treating them as an equal. So now they're starting to take things personally and they started getting emotions. Then you get parents that then ask their children how they feel. Now their children are, are, are eight and analyzing their feelings about, about their teacher. And then they start taking it all on board and taking it in them. Whereas my kids are like, you know, my teachers, my, my son's teacher brought him to me and said, your son is this and this. And I just go, Tyler, what's up with this? And he messes around and says, stand up straight. Look me in the eye and we're talking to my teacher. And then I speak to his teacher and we're like, hey, I say to him, this is not the way to go, Tyler. And I just want him to learn that he can, I want him to learn the resilience that we're talking in the first question is I want him to learn the grit and the resilience to overcome this stuff because it doesn't matter if his teacher is wrong. He's going to face that one day in life where people are wrong and I'm not going to be able to swoop in like a white knight and be like, oh, oh, well, I'm going to save you from your problems here with your boss. I'm going to save you here with your marriage. I'm going to save you these things. So I'm very much like of the opinion that parents should really be careful when doing this, especially when they do it in front of their children. Because the moment they start doing that, they communicate a whole lot of stuff. And they put a lot of responsibility on their child to feel good at school and to feel like they're being treated fairly. And I'll tell you, if life's not fair, man, and that's just the way it is. And so um, it's, but, it's but a complicated thing. But the parents are empowering the, the child. And it's like, okay, mom, dad, you weren't there. I'm the adult. Yeah. I was there. And I'm, I'm here speaking to you calmly, telling you what happened. And I understand you love your child and you, you think that, but you know, it's a perspective of a child versus a perspective of a, an adult. And yes, Tom, when, when a parent has a concern and you are the teacher, you should address the, the parent's concern. That's our job, right? That's part of our job description. But when a parent comes to me saying, well, you know, my son said, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, whoa, listen, Susie, I was, I'm here. I saw that. That's not what happened. Yeah. And then God forbid they do it with the kid there. Yeah. Now it's empowering the kid. And, and then to see the, 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 the parent, you know, push on me. And you got to remember, I want to defuse. I don't want to escalate. It's easy to escalate the situation. I can get defensive and I can push back and it's a, it's a mess. So I have to de-escalate the situation, but I think parents have to be well thought out before they come in hot like that, particularly about a younger, you know, younger child, even if it is an older child, you know, I mean, I don't know if the kid's lying to me, you know, I have no idea. I don't know. Yeah. I so. think some of the 
key things I learned to watch out for. And I think the most common thing you hear from a kid is the teacher hates me or the teacher's picking. Oh, me. yeah. yeah. And yep. that should be a red flag for a parent to know right off the bat the teacher doesn't hate him. The teacher's not picking on him. That's not why the teacher goes to work every day. <laughs> uh, and so that there's right. an issue to be dealt with. And since this is the dad syndicate, I know most dads, they hear it usually. The, the mom does most Good of it <laughs> with the school. And then the dads hear it, you know, after they get home. And it's important for the dads not to go jump on against the teacher, and but to communicate with your wife. Because that's something, when it comes to the talking to the teacher, that you and your wife need to be hand in hand with and be on the same page. And you need to make mm -hmm. sure, like, especially if you're going back to work the next day and it's your wife that's going to be communicating, you want to make sure that you and your wife are on the same page with what's going on or it's going to create more tension at home. And to your kid, this can actually look like winning even more. Uh, so, you know, from the dad area, if you're in that position, communicate with your wife first. Don't bypass her to go to the teacher mm. if her primary role is to take care of the kids <clears throat> in school. But you know, Alan, you talk about the dad side and I think what we got to do is we always got to realize we got the ownership as educators because this guy says as an educator. Now I'm an educator, Anthony is as well and we all are to a degree. You got to understand these things are going to happen or they can happen. So you as a teacher have to prepare yourself that this is the possibility. Now I'm quite a controversial guy and I'm quite hard on children. And I've done many things in my career where parents could get upset with, but guess what? I don't get emails and I don't get parents coming into my class and complaining to me like that very often right. at all. And that's because of the beginning of the year. I tell them, I care about your child. Everything I'm going to do is done out of the right motivation. Am I going to mess up? Yes. Am I going to be a douche bag sometimes? Yes, because I'm just a human being. And even though I want the best for kids, I'm working with like 20-something children here. I'm working in the, on the minute. I'm making decisions every second with your child because we don't teach in an old school way where they all sit in straight lines and they're not allowed to talk. I communicate with them. So it's going to be like that. And making sure that you have this rapport with the parents and that you develop a relationship like a triangle between the kid, the parent, and yourself, that you have a partnership right from the beginning of the year and that they understand that. Then they trust you. Then when their little kid comes home and says, oh, Mr. King was an asshole to you, then they'll go, yeah, well, you deserved it. And I know that that's happening sometimes. But also, when you develop a relationship with a child, the child will care about you as a teacher so much that they won't go to their parent and complain about you. Because they'll be like, I value my relationship with my teacher. I don't want to go home and have my parent come in. I bet you my children, I know kids whose parents have talked about the most banal things, like little things that the child has told them. In meetings, the child has been embarrassed and been upset that the parent told me, even though it wasn't a major thing. They were like, oh, no, because no. they know, because now they know, like, oh, yeah. no, Mr. King, all this. And I think that although I'm not a perfect teacher, this is an area that I've done quite well and that I've, I've managed to negate most of that by preempting the whole thing and coming in before and making sure that the parent understands I, I, kind, of, I, I kind of care about the kid and that I want the best for them. And, and am I a normal human being? Yes. So I'm going to mess up. And when parents understand that and you develop well, those relationships, it's so much easier. I think like what, what you're saying is spot on. Like as, as a teacher, I think if we pre-frame the parents correctly, so when we have that first interaction with them at the beginning of the year and, and the beginning of the relationship, they know what they can expect from me. I know what they, I can expect from them. And, you know, they know what the game's all about, right? They know what it's about. Same thing, and, and if, yeah. It's the same thing like we've been saying the whole time. It's intentionality. And as a teacher, you've got to realize it's like, it's, it's kind of weird. It happens all the time, but people are kind of surprised by things that are like normal. It's like, well, 
yes, it's going to be difficult parents. So if you preempt them and understand, oh, these guys are going to understand something, to misunderstand something this year, unless I develop the relationship, unless I explain to them at the first parent meeting in the year. And that's why it's very important to get all the parents together at the beginning of the year mm-hmm. and have those meetings where you explain who you are and you say, well, I care, but hey, man, I'm just a normal person. And then the humor in class. So it's, there's so many things as a teacher that you can do to make a kid not feel that way in your class. Not that they're not going to always feel, because there's a grit thing. I think kids shouldn't feel bad sometimes in your class. They shouldn't always be coming to school and, oh, it's a happy-go-lucky. Right. But with a safe right. thing of like, oh, I feel bad because I haven't really lived up to my expectation, but my teacher doesn't hate me and um, he's not picking on me. You know, but, you know what? one of the things, you know, and I'll just, the last thing I'm going to say about this, but to this educator, like I found that doing a few key things as a, as a, uh, a teacher, particularly to these kids, and it doesn't matter if it's a kid or adult, I really like the three contact rule, meaning I make sure I say hi to all the kids. I make sure that there's some kind of, you know, some kind of input that was given to the child for a second thing. Maybe I'm coming over to them and saying, hey, you did a great job, or hey, I want you to do that, bop, 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 you know, whatever it is. So I'm always trying to have three contacts in that class setting. And hey, this is what we do. We're educators for children. Like, yeah, it's going to be hard. Right. I didn't No one said it was going to be easy, but the reward is so great. And guess what? It builds trust because now the kids connecting with us instead of them just coming in, lining up, opening their books or throwing kicks like we're developing the rapport. So then when we do have to reprimand them or we do have to, you know, put get them, you know, in line, so to speak, um, they can handle a little bit better because we're still fist pumping at the end of class. Like everything's yeah. fine. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Rapport. Yeah, and I mean, the thing, I'll, I'll just end this off with saying, guys, dads, think about who you care about. You care about your kid. Parents, it's not good to confront your teacher in this way and to just take your kid's side and run in like that. It's not good for not the teacher or yourself because the teacher's not going to care. And at the end of the day, that kid's going to leave their class. They're going to have the next class. It's not good for your kid. And when you actually learn to partner with your teacher, whether the teacher is someone you agree with, like Alan, you and I have talked about this on a podcast before doesn't matter you the whole year can be ruined for your kid not for the teacher and so you've got to because your kid can then go to school every day afraid of this teacher thinking they're bad if you reinforce that image and you've got to do your best to not reinforce it to make your kid feel like oh when i go to school my teacher likes me my teacher cares about me but you know what my teacher wants me the best and wants me to do well he doesn't want me messing around and he doesn't want me disrupting the class and maybe i should pull up my pants and and do it. So please remember those guys. Anyway, let's move on to the next question. In most scenarios, I'm the good guy and mom is the bad guy. It's mainly because I'm not the one spending a full day with the kids. Naturally, she gets upset at me for being their white knight. How would you recommend restoring the balance between you and your spouse to your children? I like that question. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. Go for it. You answered first. Me? Sure. (laughs) Okay. Wow. I don't know. It's, it's difficult for me because I don't really have this with my wife. I think on occasions, um, we kind of a good cop, bad cop. And it's, um, it's usually me that comes home and kind of wants my son to behave in certain ways more than her. So she, she kind of, um, so it's weird for me to answer this because I'm, I'm normally more the, the hard one in, in that way with them, but maybe the softer one with my twins that come to my house. And sometimes that's where we have our conflict in that, my twins are obviously from my previous marriage and therefore my ex will see that in a way that's a little bit more objective. You know what I mean? She doesn't have that natural, like 
um, bond with my kids, obviously that she has with her own kids. And so that's where we sometimes maybe have it, but restoring the equilibrium. I think that you've got to be consequences a dad and you've got to take your role seriously in that way as well. And let the children know that you are also on in agreement with her. But I think this has to be a conversation, right guys, because this guy's not talking to us about a specific instance of what exactly the behavior he's doing is and not exactly what behavior or attitudes his wife has. So I think that we've talked about this before or discussed it. I don't know if it was on another podcast that we did or just offline, but getting on the same page and having those agreements about what do we agree with? You know, I think that the conversation to have is one with his wife to say, so how do you see it? How do you see the lines that we should make? Have you, are you, is your discipline also intentional or is she disciplining out of emotion as well during the day and then seeming bad because she's just reacting to bad situations or is she actually disciplining in a calm, um, conscious way where she's really kind of raising the kids in a way and then he's coming in and just being fun dad and, and not taking any responsibility or is she just nagging on the kids during the day and then he's coming home and just being a little bit more positive because he hasn't spent the whole day with her. So I don't know. Don't, I think I'll hand over to you guys because I, I don't think I have such a problem with this with my wife and I don't have that great advice in it and I'll have a little bit more of a think on it. You know, in the few years that my uh, my kid's mom was around, she was definitely the bad guy. I was the good guy. My son and I bonded very well together from a young age. Um, but I think the big difference that we wound into was boundaries and expectations. Uh, and it was the opposite of what you might think. I set very clear boundaries and expectations of him. Mm. And because he had these firm rules and he knew what the consequences would be, I actually wound up looking like the good guy, not the bad guy. Mm. She would not tell him the rules, wait till he breaks one, uh, and then say yeah. something. So definitely communicating with your wife to make sure that it's being done and that she's not trying to be so nice that she winds up not being nice. Um, and you know, you don't want to do the wait till dad gets home for her and then you have to do the disciplining. Um, but sometimes it can be wait till dad get home and you both together, uh, talk to him or you just sit there quietly and let her talk and you back her up so that he learns. But again, it's, it's, you both have to be on the same page together with that. Yeah. I think if you, if, if you have a divided front, I think it just makes it very difficult for, you know, both parents, the child, um, it's, and, and, you know, think about how many relationships are out there, right? All different personalities and things like that. So this, this is a tough question, but I think that through my experience, if, if one or the other is, if, if these, if, if the husband and wife are not on that same page and it is that divided front, it becomes a real problem. Yep. It becomes contentious, um, you know, because either person either feels that they're not winning or they're losing or they're more upset or whatever the case may be. And it's something that really needs to be worked on that the, the husband and the wife definitely need to somehow, even if they don't agree a hundred percent, you got to meet in the middle sometimes because it can just destroy relationships, destroy marriages. Mm. I think and, that you, know, you could meet in the middle, like, or you guys, you, your husband, husband and wife can agree totally on how to raise and how to discipline. But if the presentation is that different, it can still come across totally different to the kid. And in that case, maybe your wife wants to listen to you 
uh, on how you approach. And, you know, if it's working for you and not for her, maybe it would be good if she mimicked a little bit of you, learned from you, or the other way around. Yeah. Sometimes, though, you know, the cause isn't even just. So I'm I'm better off just shutting up and just supporting her regardless, you know, and just, you know, and, and I got to tell you, like in, if, in my house, like if my son or my daughter, um, you know, you know, my, my wife, I would say, I don't want to say we're, we're good cop, bad cop. You know, I, I don't, I don't get that vibe in the house. Maybe I'm more of the disciplinarian, but um, if I do hear my son or my daughter, snarky response or not be polite to, to her i'm definitely jumping on them like hey like yeah. what do you talk to your mother like that like i don't care how much of a disagreement we are over a particular anything um these kids definitely should still have some common respect because you know here's your mom busting her butt every day for you doing everything right Mm-hmm. and you're going to speak to your mom that way no no, no. You, you gotta you gotta interject yeah i think that there's this like it's always so difficult to answer these questions because there's no like exact answer you know there's no definitive yeah, like yep. advice but i think there's you know if i would think of two things it would be that thing that you said it's like get on the same page and like we said with the teacher thing don't do it in front of the kids because he's asking how do how do we get that balance in front of the kids like how do we get that balance so that the kids don't see this huge thing so that takes both people getting on board it's like difficult because when I come home as a dad at six o'clock or whatever, like tonight, obviously I'm coming home. I'm smiling at the kids. I'm excited with the kids. I'm, I'm happy yep. to see them. I'm throwing them up. So that's normal. And I don't think, I don't think that's got to change. I'm not going to come home now and be, well, you know, now daddy's home. Like everybody, like watch out. But at the, so, so in that way, it is a tough thing. And I don't think you can really remedy that well, unless you would be unnatural. So I think that the, the onus has to sometimes be on the moms as well. Like, let's be honest. Like, the, the onus has to be on a mom in that if she's chosen to be a stay-at-home mom and she's at home with the kids the whole day, she needs to get skills. She needs to listen to the mom syndicate or I don't know, whatever. Get, like, books on on how to do that and how to handle that and how to do, like Alan says, if you set the – it's like teaching. I mean, all these questions kind of go into each other. When you set the boundaries clearly about what is expected – then you come across as being the nice guy, even though your boundaries are way more firm than the other person that's just reacting. Like I said, when I answered the question in the beginning, I said, don't react. So as a mom, you need to learn to set those boundaries and to provide those opportunities to have good interactions with your kids as well. I don't know if you guys agree. I think it's a very difficult thing, especially because when we're together, Anthony, we can be a united front. But this whole like she's with the kids the whole day and dad comes home. It's a difficult thing to appear that like equal when the mom has been with the kids all day freaking out. So mom, you know, when the baby's asleep or when you're, when you can get the kid looked after, like go, go for a run, like get out, go and do some yoga, do some meditation, like get, get yourself healthy, do what you need to do. Let your husband, you know, maybe when the, when the husband comes home, you say bye to the kids and go have some time alone for yourself. So the husband isn't like just, you know what I mean? Cause when you come home and your wife's looking after the kids and you like the whole fun guy, but the wife sometimes can still take the role of, keeping the kids in check, you know what I mean? And then when dad's getting too crazy with the kids, the mom then plays the bad guy again, going, hey, no, guys, calm down. Whether the mom goes, hey, okay, cool, daddy's going to look after you, now mom is going to go out for a whatever, whatever. Then she can also take the stress off herself and let the dad be dad and not just be dad who's like sideshow Bob, you know? And, you know, as long as you both have the same boundaries, expectations, and way of enforcing, and sometimes that means, look, that, you know, there's some things that your kids are going to buck on, whether it's cleaning their room or doing their homework. 
So sometimes maybe it's good if mom doesn't get involved in that fight if she's coming off looking bad. Yeah. Doesn't even mention clean your room. Wait till dad gets home and let dad take that one on so you can balance each other. Mom shouldn't always have to take on the, all the negative tough stuff and that makes her look bad. So don't argue with the kid and say, wait till your dad gets home. Just don't even bring it up and let dad deal with it when he gets home. Yeah, but I think it is nagging. You know, I think that when I think about what kids, what, what makes you the bad guy, it's kind of like a nagging. It's not really setting boundaries and it's, it's kind of losing your shit, which none of us should really do. And I can come off the bad guy when I'm losing my shit and I nag at my kids as well. You know, on the weekends, it's the same thing. But like I said, these questions are difficult, guys. You're never going to achieve balance in life. You're never going to have your kids relate to you the same way that they're going to relate to their mom. They're not going to relate to their uncles, aunts the same. Grand, you know, we as parents, isn't it irritating when when we are like working so hard with our kids, and then a nice uncle comes, and our kids are like, "Yay!" You know, hey, like we have to yay. put up all that shit. You know, my yeah. son wants to go to his grandmother the whole time. Sometimes I get like the oh, dad's home. You know, I, I've got to just accept it. What am I going to do? It's it's uneven sometimes, and sometimes. Some of the dad's going to be cool and, and going to be in the favor and some of the mom's going to be in favor. And it's just, that's also, I don't know if you guys agree, someone's just going to accept imperfection and life isn't fair and our kids aren't always going to relate. Some of are going to be the bad guy. And I know it's tough for this guy's wife and it's probably tough for him because he doesn't, because obviously it affects their relationship, but that's the other part. You've got to also agree, honey, no matter how the kids are relating to us, let's not base our relationship with each other on how our children are relating to us unless someone is purposefully gloating and coming home and being like all the fun and doing all the fun and ignoring that. So it's a tough one, guys. And I know we try to answer that. Um, we just try our best. As, as we've said before, we just dads like everybody else listening. We hope we gave you some food for thought. We hope that the things we said made you identify some of the things that you're going through as well and maybe some things you already thought with and, and hopefully some of the advice that you can try and really go put up. Glad that Anthony even was writing down the advice that we were giving him at the beginning of the show because it can't be that bad if, if Anthony's writing it down. So there he's showing it on the screen. So hope you enjoyed it, guys. Thanks, Alan. Thanks, Anthony. It was great. All right, guys. But um, yeah. Go check us out, guys. Go check us on the Facebook Arena group, the Dad Syndicate Arena, where you can post your questions. Um, really cool. Want to get some more activity in there. We don't do that much at the moment, but I think that growing will be very beneficial to dads and guys who want to ask questions. Also on Instagram is really growing nicely. And as I've said, Anthony's papers are shuffling again, like last week's podcast. <laughs> but um, the podcast is really growing and we've had some amazing shows. Guys like Bert Soren, Brandon Lilly, we just had Trevor Bohm on this. We've got Bedros Kulian coming up, Ryan Mickler, all these guys. So all the uh, high caliber men that you want to hear from and that are really great dads are going to be on the show as well sharing their story so go and listen to what we've listened and keep following us really appreciate all your support so yeah, and if i could just say real quick before you cut us out there tom that you know if you guys go to the facebook page you can have one-on-one -on -one with us we we're there every day oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll check your questions you know you can have two-way conversation instead of just a question and us all answering it so uh you know come on on there and interact with us for sure yeah, and if yeah. the if the question answers that we didn't answer that wasn't adequate, you can definitely post it there and just get like and and share a little bit more about your story and and what's going on. But yeah, I mean it, it's great. I'm really stoked about how it's growing. Really appreciate you guys uh, joining me again. But now it's time for me to go and actually be a dad before my wife kills me. It's time for kids' bedtime. So peace out, right, James. And yeah. remember that all the time, energy and hard work that you put into being the man that your family need and deserve is always going to be worth it. So be better, do better, and have better. Ciao, guys. Bye.